Lord Jesus, we're asking that tonight as we come and we open up the Word of God, the Bible, that you will do your work in our lives. And I understand, Lord, that I'm not smart enough or strong enough or cool enough or funny enough to make anything happen in people's hearts. But that has to happen at a spiritual level through the power of your voice in people's lives. And so, Lord, tonight, would you speak to every one of us? Would you change our lives? Because we're not satisfied with the level of of closeness that we've had with you up to this point. We want more. And we're pressing in closer to you, higher up and further in in our relationship with you. Would you speak to us tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this is what's going on here, guys, as we're, go- as we're doing this Bible study. We are almost through the book of Luke. And... And um, it's been a fun study, but we've got we probably got tonight and the next week, and then we're gonna we're gonna do some other things. But hey, we're gonna try something tonight. Normally, we've got the all, the all the scriptures up here. Tonight, we're not gonna put the scriptures up here because as we were talking about it in our interns meeting a couple days ago, one of the, I think it was Tobias that said, "Hey, look, that people don't bring their Bibles if you already got the scriptures up here, and we want you to bring your Bible because there's things that you're gonna learn by opening your Bible and seeing where where uh, places are and by circling. And so we're not gonna put the scriptures up here." tonight and we're going to try this okay if you don't have a bible then um all of our small group leaders raise your hands okay any of these people who are raising their hands will buy you one okay if they need a reimbursement then i'll reimburse them okay but we want you to have a bible so if you if you don't have a bible don't have it on your phone then then um if, if anybody needs a bible tonight raise your hand like we need one right now okay so Chris over here needs one. Um, Sudan, she'll get that for you. Um, this is where we are. We're in, we're in Luke chapter 23. And uh, if you guys were here last week, we talked about the death of Jesus. And it just happened that, that in our study of Luke, that by divine coincidence, we hit um, Luke 23 and the death of Jesus on, on, as we were going into Good Friday on the day that we celebrate the death of Jesus. So here we are in verse 50 of Luke 23. Verse 50 this is what it says. Okay, now wait. As we read through this, and in chapter 24, this is what I want you guys to, to ask yourself. Do you believe what it says here? Do you really believe that there was a man who re- whose identity was God and that that man was put to death and that he really came to life after he died? Okay, I want you guys to think about this because this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. So verse 50, now there was a man named Joseph a member of the council. Remember we talked about the Sanhedrin, this group of 70 people who is responsible for the Jewish people, but they're under the, they, they, they have to submit to the authority of the Roman governor. So this, there's one of these guys, remember the Jewish council had wanted to put Jesus to death, but one of these guys who's Joseph, he was a good and upright man who had not consented in their decision and action to put Jesus to death. He came from the, town, the Judean town of Arimathea and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, the Roman governor who was in control, he asked for Jesus' body. Could I please have Jesus' body? Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The Sabbath was the, the day of the week. It started on Friday evening, went to Saturday evening, uh, during which time the Jewish people wouldn't we're not allowed to do any work even to this day if you go to, to israel there's there's jewish people who will will not work will not even do minor work on on from friday evening to saturday evening so verse 55 the women who had come 
with Jesus from Galilee, followed Joseph, this man who was a part of the Sanhedrin, and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Okay, look, they saw it. Now, what, what's important that you understand, back, backing up to what we talked about last, last week, is the, they were not the only ones who saw this. Okay? Remember, Jerusalem is busting at the seams at Passover time. There might have been a million people who are visiting Jerusalem at this time. So there's lots of people that see what's going on. But they're specifically to, it's, we're specifically told that they see what's happening because they're going to do something on Sunday morning. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. In other words, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't do anything for the next 24 hours because it was the Sabbath. But then on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. What tomb? Jesus' tomb. They didn't just go to any tomb. They went to Jesus' tomb. That's important. We're going to talk about that in a minute. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, that's really, really bright, stood beside them, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Amen. Yeah. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember he said the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Don't you remember that he said that? And they're like, they don't know what to say. That, but they remembered his words. They're like, oh yeah, he did tell us that, right? When they came back from the tomb back into Jerusalem, they told all these things to the 11 disciples and to all the others. It was, these women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they, that means all these people that are back there, there's about 120 people back in Jerusalem who were serious followers of Jesus at the time. They did not believe the woman because their words just seemed like nonsense. They're like, what are you talking about? Peter, however, he's like, this is worth checking out. So Peter gets up and he runs the tomb. Now, now remember that, that there's... There's some other people that go out of the tomb too. But Peter goes out of the tomb, and bending over, he saw the strips of linen that Jesus had been wrapped with lying by themselves, and he went away wondering himself what had happened. It's like, what happened? Jesus' body was there. It's not there. All that's there are his burial clothes. Okay, so here's what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight, what I want to give you guys is, is I want you to give you guys some tools to answer the accusation of the world or the criticism or the doubt that the world is going to put into your minds about the resurrection of Jesus. So first of all, I want to give you five facts about the cross of Jesus and the what we believe is the resurrection of Jesus. And then what I want to address is five non-Christian theories that try to explain away the tomb and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? You guys understand where we're going? Five facts about the death and resurrection of Jesus that I want you guys to think about. And, and also, I, wanted to, I want us to address five theories from the world that try to explain away the resurrection. Because you can't ignore it. People who really study this can't just ignore it and say, oh, that has never happened. There was an empty tomb. Okay, so as we're getting ready to do that, I want to read to you guys why it matters. It matters because all of Christianity and therefore all of the lives of the people in this room hang on whether this is true or not. 
Okay? So for, and for, and Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. I want to read this to you. And if you do have that, you can put it, you can, this one you can put up there if you want. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. If Paul says this, Paul's running the church in Corinth. Paul's running the church in Corinth something like 19 years after Jesus has been put to death and resurrected. So this isn't very long after Jesus. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is Steve's. Um, <laughs> and so is your faith. You guys are supposed to laugh. Are you guys with me? Okay, 15. More, thank you. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has been raised from the dead. In other words, we have been testified about God that, he, that he, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus has been raised from the dead, then all this is just stupid. But he did not raise him if the dead aren't raised. In other words, if, if, if God doesn't raise dead people, then he didn't raise Jesus. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17. And if, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That means stupid, worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. I want you guys to understand what Paul's saying. If you guys believe in Jesus, but Jesus is dead, then your faith is worse than worthless. You guys are following some lie, and you may as well stop following it. So everything hangs on whether Jesus really came to life or not. Okay? Now, Here's what we're going to look at, at tonight as we go through these. I want to share five facts with you. Most people over there, most people in the world, they make up their mind before they look at the facts. They've heard something, and they will not change their mind. Just today, my wife told me as I was, was we were getting ready this morning, she said, today I'm taking Ian to the doctor because he's getting a typhoid shot because I'm taking Ian to the Philippines with me. And I told Ian a few weeks back, I said, Ian, when we're in the Philippines, do not drink the water unless it's bottled water and do not eat food without washing your hands, okay? Because you might get typhoid. Now, he doesn't know what typhoid is, but he don't want it. <laughs> so I said, so you need to get a shot so you can get the ty so you don't get typhoid. So he, he's been talking about getting this typhoid shot for a month now. So my wife took him to get the typhoid shot. And I'm here in my office this afternoon getting ready for the merge tonight. And she calls me and she said, would you please talk to Ian? But you guys are going to be blown away with what, what Ian was doing. The deal was, is the typhoid shot is good for two years. There's something better than the typhoid shot. It's pills. You take the pill after every meal for four days and it's good for five years. Which do you want? Huh? Any normal person would want the pills, but Ian's got, a, he got his mind made up that he needs a shot so that he doesn't get typhoid. So he's telling the nurse, any other kid, nine-year-old kid is going to do what the nurse says, but he's telling the nurse, I want the shot. The shot's about six times the price of the pills. Why would anybody want the shot except for Ian? So my wife, then I called my wife just right before the merge, and I said, so what happened? She said, the nurse is like, I have never met a kid like this who wants a shot instead of the pills. But here's, so I thought there's got to be some way to tie this into what we're doing tonight, but here's the tie-in. People get their minds made up about what is true, and they can't change their minds no matter what evidence you put before them, if you haven't noticed. All the time. So, please, learn what the evidence is, 
And before your friends make up all their minds, their minds, because some professor told them something, would you please share these facts with them? Okay, do you know what the facts are? Okay, five facts. Write these down. First of all, first fact regarding the cross and the empty tomb, number one is Jesus died. Jesus was dead. And you're like, well, we already know that. That's what the Bible says. Yes, that's what the Bible says. But first fact, it's important to know that Jesus died. And this is not just from the Bible, but the Babylonian Talmud, Jewish literature, speaks of Jesus dying. This is what it says, and I think we might actually have it up here. Uh, Babylonian Talmud says this. On the eve of the Sabbath, the eve of the Passover, Jesus the Nazarene was hanged, and a herald went forth before him for 40 days heralding. Jesus, is that up there? Jesus the Nazarene is going to be stoned because he practiced sorcery and instigated and seduced Israel to idolatry. Whoever knows anything in defense of him, that is, may come and state it. But since they did not find anything in his defense, they hanged him on the eve of the Passover. Okay, of course, we know that the way that they hanged was they hanged him on a cross. Okay, that's from the Babylonian Talmud. Okay, Tacitus, another historian, I read to you guys from Josephus last week, another historian says this. He says, in regards to Nero trying to blame the Christians for the fire in Rome, he, can we what? It's coming. Okay, Tacitus. Put Tacitus up there. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero, you guys remember who Nero is, the bad guy? Nero um, fastened the guilt and inflicted the populace, inflicted the most exquisite, exquisite tortures. Imagine that, exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, meaning Christ, from who the name had, it or, had its origin, had suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius, that was the emperor at the time, at the hand of one of our procurators, that is governor, Pontius Pilate. Okay, the point is that Tacitus records the death of Jesus. I don't know if you guys can see. Well, it's not up there. Okay, I want to I read to you guys again what I read to you from Josephus last week. Did you get those? Uh, I, I sent you a PowerPoint. Did you not get that? Okay. I, I, sent, it, I sent it exactly word for word the way it was going to be. Okay. Josephus... Um, what I read to you guys last week, I will read part of that to you guys again. Josephus, the adopted son of Emperor Vespasian, writes about the death of Jesus and the question of resurrection. I read it to you guys last week, but I want to read it to you again because I, I want to make it clear that history records Jesus as dying and Josephus records the question of whether he lived again. Do you guys want to hear that again? Can I read it to you? How is it possible that I didn't... That that I didn't send that to you. Okay. In the days of our pious fathers, this is what the, the historian Josephus writes sometime around 90 AD. This is like something like 58 years after Jesus has been put to death and resurrected. In the days of our pious fathers, this curtain was, was intact, the curtain in the temple. But in our own generation, it was a sorry sight for it had suddenly been torn from top to bottom at the time when by bribery, they had secured the execution of the benefactor of men, speaking of Jesus, the one who by his own actions proved that he was no mere man. This is not the Bible, guys. This is history. This is one of the, one of the most famous historians of the first century. Many other inspiring signs happened at the same moment. It is also stated that after his execution and entombment, he disappeared entirely. Some people actually assert that he had risen. 
other retort that his friends had stolen him away. And I, for one, cannot decide where the truth lies. And he goes on, and I read that to you guys last week. But here's, here's the first fact about Jesus' death and resurrection, is that not only does the Bible state that Jesus died, but historians from the first century speak of Jesus saying that he died. Okay, second fact. Second fact, Jesus was buried in a tomb that was protected with Roman guards and was sealed by the command of the governor. Okay. Okay, that's the one we're at right there. Yeah, that's... Okay. Jesus was buried in a tomb that was protected by Roman guards and was sealed by the command of the governor. Here, here's the deal. What, what is recorded is that Jesus' body was put in a tomb... With the, with the approval of Pilate, the governor, and that tomb was sealed with, probably the way it was sealed, with a, with a rope from one side to the other with a, with a seal in clay on either side for the purpose of making sure that nobody tampered with that, that nobody would, would, would bother that tomb because they were afraid that the disciples might come and steal the body. Because Jesus had said he was going to live again. So here's what I want you guys to know about the tomb. First of all, the tomb, the place of the tomb was public. So you guys see the movies, it's like this is way off in the middle of nowhere and nobody knows where it is. That's not the way it is. This is right outside of Jerusalem. There's, 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 it's, it's debated which of the places Jesus' tomb was. There's a couple of possibilities that I mean, we don't even know for sure if it's one of those two. There's two main places that um, different Christians dispute, and both of them are right where people are. They're not way, way out of the city. So there's people that know where that tomb is, and the people see the body put in the tomb, and nothing's being done in secret. Okay, that's important to know. Second fact in regards to Jesus' tomb is this is Passover time. I've already said because it was Passover time, Jerusalem is overflowing with people. So this is a public thing. Hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem at the time. And Josephus says that there were 30 Roman guards placed at that tomb. Do you remember who Josephus is? This is a Roman historian, or a Jewish historian that's adopted by the Roman emperor. He says there's 30 Jewish guards, I'm sorry, 30 Roman guards and over 1,000 Jews that are at at that tomb guarding it. Because Jesus has been a hero to some people and he's been an outlaw to other people. So he's a man of controversy, and there's been 15,000 people following him around, and they follow him to his grave, watching what's happening. Okay, third fact that I want you guys to, to understand. Third fact is that on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. Sunday morning, there was no body there. No body, no, bo- no dead body of Jesus. Okay, we're going to talk about this in a, f- a little bit more in a few minutes, but the fact that Jesus' body was put into the tomb the day that he died and that the tomb was empty on Sunday morning is a fact that is almost impossible to deny. This is not something that is easy to deny for, for, for somebody who doesn't believe in the, in the Bible. Okay, we're going to talk about the reason that people come up with these theories of what happened because you can't just ignore the writings that are there about what happened to Jesus. There was an empty tomb. Here's the reason that you can't deny it. Because the whole city of Jerusalem knew what was going on. Hundreds of thousands of people knew what was happening. And all they would have needed to stop the hype if they had Jesus' body available to them was to produce that corpse. So here it is. 
and Christianity would have never taken off. But the corpse wasn't there. Nobody knew where the corpse was. They couldn't do that. They couldn't produce it because he wasn't there. Okay, fourth fact. Fourth fact, there are multiple historical documents and early eyewitness accounts that claim, at least claim, that Jesus's claim Jesus' bodily resurrection. Okay, this is what I'm saying. Whether or not you believe that Jesus was re- resurrected physically, you can't deny that there is a lot of people who saw him and wrote it down. There are eyewitness documents from people who claim they saw Jesus, and that's undeniable. You can't deny that. Now, maybe they were all freaked out. Maybe they were all lying. But you can't deny that they at least have, all these people at least wrote that they saw Jesus. So let me tell you who some of these people are. Some of them are in the Bible, okay? And understand, this is the important thing when you, you take these documents. The problem with having a Bible that's all together is people who are skeptics kind of treat it like it's all written by one person. Okay, these, these eyewitness accounts were not written by one person. Let me tell you who, who wrote these eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts written by Mark, by Luke, by Matthew, by John, by Paul by Peter, by Jude. There's seven, se- seven people right there that wrote part of the New Testament, wrote separate books, independent accounts, who saw Jesus. Okay, you can't deny that. You can't come along and say, oh, that was all written by the same guy. Because no, no knowledgeable scholar, even a skeptic scholar, can assume that that was all written by the same guy. But not only what's in the Bible. Within... A few years after Jesus was gone, we've got documents from people like Polycarp. Polycarp. Does anybody know who Polycarp was? Okay. Who was Polycarp's teacher? John. Dude, you're good. Um, John was Polycarp's teacher. Polycarp follows Jesus because of John. And he learns from John. So Polycarp talks about, about Jesus. He talks about Jesus as the resurrection. Then you got people like Clement of Rome. And I could, I could read you guys these, these things that they wrote, but, they're, but that basically sounds like scripture. They're writing about Jesus' resurrection. Clement of Rome, writing in A.D. 96. Let me tell you what he says. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, God has rendered the Lord Jesus the first fruits by raising him from the dead. Okay, that just sounds like the Bible, right? But this isn't, it's not part of the Bible. This is somebody outside of the Bible writing about the resurrection of Jesus. Ignatius, he writes a letter to the church in Smyrna, 107 A.D., he says, Jesus was nailed to the cross for us and was resurrected. Okay, Justin Martyr talks about the resurrection. All of these are just, these are within, this is, these are within decades after Jesus. These are the writings that we have. The world was turned upside down by people who were following Jesus. And we have a few of their writings. So here's the point. You can say that Jesus didn't rise from, rise from the dead, but it's an undisputable fact that there are reliable writings from people who say that Jesus rose from the dead. And these writings aren't like some of the writings that came that did come later that are like tabloid-type, National, um, National Enquirer, uh, apocryphal-type writings. I mean, you can read. You know, some people are like, you know, you've got to be careful reading that stuff. Read it. Read the, you can t- if you read the Bible and you read some of those other, you know, hidden gospels, as they're called, you know instantly which ones are reliable and which ones aren't because of how they're written. Some are written like, the ones, ones that are included in the Bible are written like history. 
These are not written like legends. This is reliable writing about the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, fifth fact about Jesus' death and what we believe is his resurrection is this. Fifth fact that's going to be hard to deny is that the belief of the belief that the bodily resurrection was true has had an extreme impact on world history. Think about it. People who believed that Jesus was alive, first of all, had lives that were changed radically. People who were against Jesus. Tell me the names of the people who were against Jesus who when they met Jesus, physically after he was alive, had their life changed. Saul, who became Paul and... So I, give me one more. Tom, well, Thomas, yeah. Tom, but he wasn't against Jesus. How about his brother, James? James, James? James was not a follower of Jesus until James met Jesus after he had died. And James made a 180, and he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. How do you account for that? If he, how do you account for the brother of Jesus who had not been for Jesus after Jesus died, and then supposedly his body was gone, how he made a dramatic change. Did he steal the body? No way. He had an experience, an authentic experience with the risen Lord Jesus. Okay, another fact in regards to how the people who believed in the resurrection of Jesus changed the world, and it's easy to miss, is that the people, here's, here's what it is, the people who believed that Jesus had resurrected physically were so strongly convinced that he was alive, that they built a society from that little group of people that within about 300 years overtook the Roman Empire. Think about that. They changed society and they changed the world. Let me just give you some, some, some examples of how they changed the world, okay? You guys want those? Okay. First, how many of you guys think that infanticide is a good thing to keep down population? Think it's a good thing? I hope you're not, you're not serious. None of you guys think that it's good to kill babies to keep the population down. Okay? Nobody thinks that. That's, that was the thinking in Rome. In fact, the Tiber River was a place you threw your babies. You know why you guys don't think that infanticide is good? You know, some of you don't even the word. Some of you, you know why you guys don't think? The general public thinks that killing your babies is bad. You know Why? Because of the influence of people who believed that Jesus had been bodily resurrected and changed the way society thought. It was them. They changed society. Okay, let me ask you guys this. How many of you think that women should be treated with the same dignity as men? I hope you all raise your hands. Raise your... Do you, are you guys sleeping? <laughs> let me ask you again. How many of you think that women should be treated with the same dignity as men? Okay, I hope all of you raise your hands. Anybody that doesn't raise your hand needs to be... Okay, never mind. Um, here's the deal. That idea is commonplace in, in the modern world, and it stemmed from people, from the community of people that believed that Jesus had been resurrected bodily because nowhere else did that just arise. That came from these people, from this group of people. Okay. How many of you guys think that people should be treated with dignity regardless of their race or religion or their age or gender? You, I hope you guys raise your hands. People should be treated with dignity no matter what they, who they are or what they are or what they believe. You know where that idea came from? 
That came from people who believed that Jesus was resurrected bodily. How about, how many of you guys think that hospitals are a good idea? How many, how many of you, yeah, that's right, nurses. How many of you think that, that we should take care of the poor and the sick? I mean, these are ideas that, that were revolutionary ideas at this time. I mean, the, historically, if you, didn't, if you didn't have your own strength to pull yourself out of the mud hole, then who cared? But the, this community of people who believed that Jesus had been resurrected bodily, they changed the way that the world thought so much that it's just, common, it's just expected now. You know where those ideas came from? They came from that community of people. That community of people who believed that Jesus really was alive. Okay. You guys got those facts? Okay. I want to now, in, in 15 minutes, answer five of the theories that attempt to explain the way the empty tomb. Okay. First theory is the apparent death theory, okay? The apparent death theory is this. Apparent death theory is the theory that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Okay, now these are theories that people have come up with to explain away the, what happened. It's not something you just say, I, I, I'm going to ignore it. Something happened there sometime around 32 AD that revolutionized the world. And all the people claimed that there was an empty tomb. So the idea of... What happened, first of all, was that Jesus, the apparent death theory is that Jesus didn't really die, okay? That he didn't die on the cross, he only appeared to die, and therefore, he wasn't resurrected, he didn't really come to life, he wasn't really dead in the first place, and so he was just revived. Okay, this is one of the, this is one of the attempts that non-believers have gone to to explain away the resurrection. The logic is like this, no person can die and come to life, Right? That's what that's as they say. So therefore, if Jesus really was alive after his resurrection, and it sure seems like he was, then it must mean that he didn't really die. Instead, they took him off the cross and put him in the grave. And after he laid there in the cool of the grave for a little while, he regained consciousness and knocked down that giant rock and walked, snuck out past the guards. But he happened to leave his grave clothes in there. So I guess he, well, why did he take off his? I mean, who knows? Okay, here's the facts that you should know. You guys are going to hear this. If you, if you will please talk to the people who don't know Jesus, they're going, to, they're going to throw that at you. Oh, he wasn't really dead. Okay, and I want you guys to respond like this. I want you to respond by first of all saying, the Roman executioners were pros at killing people. And they knew when somebody was dead or not. In fact, they went out and broke the legs of the two guys on either side of them but they didn't break Jesus' leg because he was already dead. And they knew he was dead because they stabbed him. And what came out? Blood and water. And you nurses probably know more about it than I do. But, what I, but the point is that he was dead. He was dead. He wasn't pretending to be dead. Okay? That's one thing you tell him. Okay? The second thing that you tell him is, do you know how much stuff was wrapped around Jesus? Wrapped in a, 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 almost 100 pounds of cloth and spices so that he wouldn't stink. They wrapped him up like a mummy style. That's not easy to get out of, especially after you've been whipped half dead and then crucified. Okay, now you, you can believe that he woke up and walked out of the, got his way out of that and got out of the grave, past the guards and nobody saw him, but that's not likely what happened. You're making stuff up if you want to believe that. Okay? And the ancient documents that we just read a few minutes ago said he was dead. So, okay, so I hope you guys don't believe the apparent death theory. Okay, second theory. 
that tries to explain away is the theft theory. This is a favorite, right? <laughs> theft theory. The theft theory has two forms. First of all, the first form of the theft theory, can I say that right, is that the disciples stole the body and then they all conspired with each other to lie about it, to lie that he had been resurrected, knowing all the time that it really was just a lie. It's a total conspiracy, okay? That's one, that's one form of the theft theory. Okay, the second form of the theft theory, that's hard to say. You guys try to say it five times, theft theory, theft theory. Okay, second form of the theft theory is that there were grave robbers that took away Jesus' body, and now the disciples came and said, more like, Whoa, he's resurrected. Okay? And they thought he was resurrected. Okay, here's, so when, when somebody throws that at you, like, oh, his body was stolen, your answer is, okay, there are lots of witnesses, lots and lots of witnesses, and, and also, it, that means that all those disciples who are part of the conspiracy, that we, they, they stole Jesus' body and made, decided they were going to make it all up, that he really was alive, that all, not one of those people who were part of the conspiracy ever caved in and said, oh, we, it, it, we were just kidding. It, was, it really was just a hoax. Not one of them did that. Instead, they all, rather than say it was a hoax, they all were persecuted hev heavily, lost their homes, and s most of them were put to death rather than say it wasn't true. Okay, now you can say he didn't rise to life. But you gotta, you, if you hang on to that theft theory idea, you've got to find a way to explain how, how that, the truth really never leaked out. Okay? To, sec, secondly, to really believe that the disciples or some robbers stole the body, you've got to have some way to explain how they got that stone out of there, pass the guards, get the stone out of there, get the body away, Without anybody, uh, any of the hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem catching them. You got to explain that. How are you going to explain that? Okay. Third thing is, you've got to account for the amazing change of the disciples. The disciples at the time of Jesus, prior to Jesus, they're scary cats. They're, I mean, they split, right? That, it's embarrassing how scared they are. And what happens after Jesus is resurrected? Their, their way of thinking, the way, of, the way of responding to persecution is revolutionized. If you think that they stole the body, you have to explain their change in thinking. Their, their change from being fearful and timid to being people who are full of courage. Okay, fourth thing. You've got to account for why the grave clothes are left there. Those grave clothes left in the tomb. That means somebody sneaks in there, they're going to steal the body, but first we're going to unwrap him. Doesn't make sense. Maybe they're unwrapping him so that he won't look like a dead guy. I don't know. Okay, but you, you know, you laugh. If you're going to, if, if your friends across the street are telling you, oh, yeah, somebody stole the body, ask them why the, why the stealers, the thieves, didn't, why they didn't take the grave clothes to. Okay? Okay. Hallucination theory, theory number three that I want to talk about. Hallucination theory is this. Hallucination theory is the theory that Jesus didn't realize from the dead but that his disciples hallucinated. They, they, because they, they were stressed out of the max, that they hallucinated, they believed that they saw Jesus, but it was just hallucination. So how do you respond to people who tell you that that's what happened? Okay, they, that's right. 
Has anybody had hallucinations where you actually touched the person? I hope you guys didn't have hallucinations. Um, if anybody here has had a hallucination, I don't think you touched the, the person you saw, and I sure hope he didn't eat with you. Okay? Jesus was touched by them. He ate with them. But here, here's the other thing that you ask. Has there ever been a time in history, obviously there's been, there has been hallucinations in history, but has there ever been a time in history when a group of people all hallucinated the same thing multiple times? Anybody with any brains in their head is going to tell you no. A hallucination isn't something that people do communally unless they're taking LSD. And then it's not the same hallucination. Okay. Fourth theory that I want you guys to think about that you're going to be faced with. Fourth theory is the wrong tomb theory, okay? Wrong tomb theory is this theory. <laughs> you guys are already laughing. I mean, th th these are, you guys understand the people that came up with these theories are not, they're not, they're not Ian age, okay? They're not 10 years old. These are people who have studied and studied and studied and written books presenting these theories as what really happened. And we just look at it and think, this is silly business. Okay, the, the wrong tomb theory is this. The theory, te this theory teaches that when the disciples came to the tomb on Sunday morning, they went to the wrong tomb, <laughs> found it empty, and therefore said, Jesus has been resurrected. Okay, so when somebody tells you this, what do you say? <laughs> That's not very nice. Okay, what, what do you say? What's that? Eggs. There were, again, there were hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem, and everybody wanted to see what was going on. That's right. Maybe you have the wrong brain. Maybe you have the wrong brain, yeah. You know what? We can, you guys, here's the deal. Timothy can say that, but the rest of you can't. Um, no, I'm saying, actually, you can't say it either, Timothy, because when people, what doesn't, what doesn't help is for us to throw insults at people. It's fun to say it in here, but the truth is that, that we, people who think like this, we love them. They're precious people that Jesus died for. And Jesus said, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. The people who insist on being on not listening to the truth, we still love them. In fact, we love them so much that we want to follow Jesus' example and lay down our lives for those people. That's what Jesus is calling us to. But here's how, here's how you respond to the wrong tomb theory. As Christianity took off, first, Thousands of people turned to Jesus. Then tens of thousands of people. Then hundreds of thousands of people. Then millions of people turned to Jesus. They turned to Jesus. And at the same time, the disciples are being persecuted for insisting that Jesus is alive. Do you think it's possible that the disciples are going to give up their lives and start a whole movement based on something that is just, hey, we, went, we accidentally went to the wrong tomb? Sure, there could have been a few of them that went to the wrong tomb. But not, was it you, Isis, that said not everybody? Not everybody in Jerusalem went to the wrong tomb. When, when this word started getting out, everybody went to the tomb, and all the leaders would have had to do was say, let me show you the right tomb. It's right over here, and here's his body. Stop making a big deal about this because he's dead. Look at him. But they didn't do that because his body wasn't there. Okay, fifth theory. Fifth theory that, that, that non-believers have used to explain away the empty tomb of Jesus is this. 
the family tomb theory, and this, this got some more momentum recently. The family tomb theory is the theory that says Jesus' body was put in the grave of Joseph, of Joseph of Arimathea. He was put in that grave on Friday, but that sometime between Friday evening and Sunday morning, Somebody came, somebody official came and got the body and moved it to the grave that it was supposed to. In other words, that was just kind of like a place where we're going to put it so, to get past the Sabbath. Now we're going to get that grave and we're going to move it to the grave that it's supposed to be in. But nobody else knew that. So they go to the grave and it's empty. Well, once again, your response to that is when the craze happened and the officials are trying to get the Christians to stop talking about this resurrection of Jesus, once again, all they got to do is say, we moved this body and here it is. It would have been, I mean, it would have been documented. That Christianity would have never gotten going. What got Christianity going is logical people like you and me who want to know the truth, who think straight, gave their lives to this cause because there was the most reasonable explanation was that Jesus was alive. And they believed it. Amen. That's right. Okay, so what so what this family tomb theory. What happened was that the idea was that Jesus' body was moved to another grave. And what, in, back in the 1980s, there was a tomb that was found about five miles south of Jerusalem with a bunch of bone boxes. And one of the bone boxes supposedly said, Jesus, the son of Joseph. If that's the case, then at least we, if that's Jesus' bones in that box, then all of you can go home tonight and not come back because now you know that Christianity is not true. Sounds pretty convincing, doesn't it? In fact, in 2007, a book comes out and a documentary comes out. Documentary? Is that how you pronounce it? Documentary. Documentary comes out that says Jesus' bones have been found and Christianity is still nice and all, but it's just not true. What are you guys going to do about that? How are you going to respond to that? Thank you. You've done your homework. Here's the deal. I mean, I, when I first heard that, I thought, okay, I'm not going to be a person who tries to ignore the truth. I want to know the truth, and if Christianity is not the truth, I want to know. If this is really Jesus' bones, then I guess I believe the lie. So, I've, so I want to find out what happened. Th here's the deal. First of all, the box that supposedly contains Jesus' bones doesn't have the name of Jesus clearly written on it. Okay, it's not clear. But even if it does say Jesus, the son of Joseph, I want to give you guys some statistics that, in fact, I think they're up here. Can you give me those, those statistics? Okay. The inscriptions on ossuaries from the Talpiot tomb, according to some guy, some scholar, this is what he says. He, they've researched all these bone boxes that they found. Nope, the one before that. The one with, maybe, maybe you don't have it. The one with all the numbers? Okay. Uh, here, I'll just tell you. We have, we have a database of about 3,000 named persons, 2,625 men. Of the 2,625 men, the name Joseph was born by... 8.3% of the people. 8.3% of the people that they, have, that they have from the first century are named Joseph. That's a lot of people. That's, that's a bunch of people. The second most popular name was Simon. The third most popular was Judah. 
which um, had 6.2% of the men. And the name Jesus, 3.4% of all the men that we have records of in the first century in, in Jerusalem in the area were named Jesus. Okay? The name Matthew is next. Here's the deal. The name Jesus, son of Joseph, has been found not on one bone box, but on four bone boxes. Okay, what does that, how does that make you feel? That's like, here, here's the deal. It's like finding a tomb in America that says Joseph Smith. Joe Smith. Huh. Or Bob, Bob Brown. I mean, everybody, I mean, that's not so common anymore, but it used to be, right? I mean, they, there's, Jesus, son of Joseph has, there's four, they found four tombs with Jesus, son of Joseph. Okay. So, is that one family tomb, Jesus' bones? Well, here's what Professor Colner says. The guy who was the archaeologist who was in charge of clearing the tombs in 1980. Okay, understand, they found this tomb, in, this bone box in 1980. It does, they're not sure it actually says the name of Jesus on there. If it is, it's one of four boxes that say Jesus, is Jesus the son of Joseph. But the bone box... That they found in 1980, they don't, come up with, uh, they don't come out with anything about it until 2007. It's 27 years later. There's not, because it's not, not, nobody takes it really seriously. So t- 2007, they come out with this documentary and this book. And this is what the guy who, who, the archaeologist, who's not a Christian, who oversaw the archaeological dig, what he said. He says, when he's asked, go ahead and put that up there. When he's asked by, the, by an, uh, a reporter from the Jerusalem post, what do you make of the assertion that Jesus and his family were buried there? This is what the archaeologist says. He says, it makes a great story for a TV film, but it's completely impossible. It's nonsense. There is no likelihood that Jesus and his relatives had a family tomb. They were a Galilee family and had no ties in Jerusalem. The the Talpia tomb belonged to a middle-class family from the first century. See, okay, the point is, the guy who's in charge of this whole thing, he says the, the, the claim that this is Jesus' bones is ridiculous. Okay. I want you guys to understand that because you're going to be hit with it. If you talk with people, they're going to give you all kinds of stuff. You guys are following Jesus, not just because I gave you some proofs here, not just because you read it in the Bible, not just because your mom and dad told you that you should believe it. You guys are following Jesus because of all of that coupled with the personal experience of the Holy Spirit in your life and the fact that you talked to Jesus this morning that nobody can deny. Okay, and here's the problem. The, the problem with the, naturalistic, explan, the naturalistic explanations of what happened at the tomb is that it, it starts with an, uh, an assumption that Jesus is not God or that there is no God. But if there is a God who spoke the universe into existence, who spoke the word and the universe came to be, and by the way, I don't know how else the universe came to be because there's no logical explanation for that. No, no person has been able to explain that without some kind of fancy theories that, that have no proof. The only proof we have is that nothing happens without a cause and something has hop- happened. And the universe started, therefore something bigger than the universe caused it. So whatever that cause is, is all-powerful. And if he becomes human, 
He has the power to bring that human back to life if he's died. We have no problem believing that. It takes a lot more faith to believe a bunch of other stuff than to be able to trust that there's a God who can raise the dead. Jesus is alive. We know he's alive. We've put our faith in him, and we are people who stand before him saying, Jesus, here's my life. We're willing to live our lives for you. We're willing to die for you if we can just know you. Guys, let's stand up and let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you give us the, the words to speak when people ask these questions? 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Lord, would you prepare us for that? That the people from the cornerstone would just be excellent at loving people who, who, who mock you, who disagree with you, who throw stones at you, that we would be just like you who, when you said, Father, forgive them because they're no, they don't know what they're doing. Would you help us to be that way? And, and Lord, tomorrow, for as, as lunch happens here, and so many people come over here who don't know you to eat a burger, would we just be excellent at loving them the way that you loved us? We offer our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.